how, what was it like for you, like when you find out? I don't, I don't like the word relief, but I've used it before. That was and the word I, I was going to use. And it seems like, like you're relieved that he's he's dead, is, and that's not it at all. It's that like you're relieved that you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, it's inevitable. What's it gonna be like? And this kind of like, also this fear of like, what's it gonna be like when he's gone? Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I am your host. I'm Dr. John Duffy, and as always, I appreciate you protecting some time for myself and my guests. Uh, the idea here is that we are going to tell our stories kind of unabashedly, uh, with the hopes that um, there are pieces of it you can relate to. Um, we lift taboos off of a bunch of different issues, and hopefully we all kind of collectively experience less anxiety than we might otherwise, less undue anxiety. So um, again, I appreciate you being here. I have a really interesting guest with me today. Lee, welcome. Thank you. Okay, so Lee, just to give you a little context, if you um, go back about oh, six weeks, two months or so, um, you'll find a podcast I uh, uh, taped with Emily, who happens to be Lee's sister, and both of them are Jack's older sisters. Um, Jack passed away from brain cancer um, a couple years ago, and so to give us kind of her perspective on what that whole process has been like and what her life has been like during that time and since that time, Lee's been kind enough to join us. So. Um, so where do we start, Lee? Do you want to talk to uh, talk to us about like kind of how it all began for you when you and how old you were and you know um, what your experience was that might have been different than what we heard from Emily? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I guess it starts in 2008. Uh, it was when Jack was first diagnosed, and um, he was 11, and I'm four years older than him, so I was 15 and half about halfway through my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I guess that made a huge difference on how I, I remember all of this, all of his whole things. Yeah. Um, just because he, he was younger than me and I had this kind of oldest sibling protectiveness, um, but different in the way that, that Emily described it. Emily, I think, had a, a lot more like she had to be with him next to him, and I had a kind of like a being strong for him drive. Were you maternal in some ways, like, you know, g given that you were kind of the oldest sibling? and A, a little bit, yeah. I yeah. think that's a, a good word for it, and I think... Um, looking back, I actually recently found a, a journal that I kind of don't journal uh, consistently ever. Uh -huh. But if I have something big going on, I will find journals with like three pages written in them. <laughs> so they're noteworthy when they show up, huh? Right. Okay. And I found a journal from the day after he was diagnosed and probably a, the day of his first brain surgery uh -huh. and then several Boy, that happened later, fast huh yeah uh -huh. uh, within I think three or four days My uh, God. he was he was back in surgery and so much of it was like how do I expect like this 11 year old kid and, and my little brother to be strong if I'm not if I can't so I have to be and wow I, so you created a little mandate for yourself at 15 years old oh yeah and I I, I think it was influenced a lot by how I was 
that brought up being the oldest we got I got especially me and I don't know if Emily can attest to this quite a, quite as much but I had the uh you have to set an example uh-huh thing. did uh, you it drilled into my head yeah um for you know for better or for worse I think uh <laughs> parts of it it got old when I had to have my room look perfectly clean because that would somehow influence how um, Emily sit, and Jack choose how, to my, so, how they do their room, uh, <laughs> which never happened. They didn't care whether my room was clean, and Emily shared a room with me. She didn't, right. She couldn't care less if my my stuff was cleaned up, and hers wasn't. As an aside, like in my family and in families I work with, but like just my family that I grew up with, my older brother is eight years older, Mike. And he would, I think, say to this day that he still resents that. Like, he still <laughs> resents being the older older sibling yeah. and having to set that standard. Do you, do you yeah. still feel it? Um, not as much resentment. And I think probably, though, because of kind of the serious stuff that we went through yeah. right, right then. I think if that hadn't happened to our family, I would have been... Uh, a lot more resentful of it, probably a lot more rebellious too yeah. against against it. Like you can't look to me to be like the good one, the perfect that, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but because that happened, I stuck with it. It was kind of like a culmination of all those times I was told to like set an example. Yes. For Em and Jack, and like this is when it really counted. It's so inter- it, it's interesting to hear how different already your experience was than Emily's given that you're only a couple years apart it's yeah. always fascinating to me like that you can two kids can be can grow up in the same family in the same circumstances even when those circumstances are really difficult and have very different stories to tell mm-hmm. I work with a lot of kids who are 16 15 16 17 years old um, and so much happens developmentally you know sophomore year in high school is kind of like this indelible time of change um, did you find like I'm going to have to arrest this part of my development and put it on hold because we've got crisis going on over here. Uh, Maybe not like so consciously, Uh but yeah. I mean, my high school experience was a lot different than than that of my friends, especially like junior, senior year of high school. Right. Um, Sophomore year, half of it was very like, I was happy-go-lucky. I was Uh hanging out with my friends a lot. and then the second half, when Jack was first sick, I, I was home a lot more because I couldn't drive, um, and my sister couldn't drive, so I... You couldn't drive to, because... Because I didn't have my license ah. yet, and my parents were like coming back and forth from the hospital a lot, so I kind of took it upon myself to be home in case Emily needed something. Um, so you were taking care of Emily while your parents were busy taking care of Jack, huh? Kind of, in mm-hmm. a way. And, I mean, we were pretty self-sufficient. She was 13, so right. there wasn't much to, like, I just, I think I felt I should be there because if she needed a ride or, so, like, someone to help her get a ride from someone, like, call around to parents in the neighborhood or whatever, really? whatever the, the reasoning behind it was, I felt I should be, like, someone should be home so that she didn't. Yeah have to like come home to an empty house and yet in the meantime your friends are starting to go to parties right there mm-hmm. everyone's talking about boys and stuff like right. um did you ever feel like oh, i'm missing out on some of the 
funner elements of being a sophomore in high school or think, junior? I think later I did. Yeah. I think like junior and senior when things had calmed down, but in the moment it was kind of like this matters more. Yeah. Like it, like I don't really have time for like your drama and like whatever you guys have going on. Like right. Like have fun with that, but I'm gonna go ahead and focus on like this super <laughs> important thing that's happening to my family. Right, and, like, right. Do what I can to to be present for that. Yeah. But later, I think once things like Jack wasn't sick anymore, and um, after my mom had gotten sick too, that like things when things had calmed down in my house, I'd been so kind of removed from my friends and not as active in my social life that I felt like okay, I'll, I want to hang out now, but like. Where are you guys? Right. Had everyone kind of shored up their groups? and Yeah, and I was yeah. still in my group, but I definitely wasn't quite as active. And, you know, people get sick of hearing, like, I can't hang out. For sure. Yeah. So And, and we can't really even be angry right, at them for this, right? right? And, yeah. and when you're 16 and 17, too, like, you don't pick up on, like, like, hey, you need to, like, even if you don't like being told I can't hang out, like, you should still be asking. Right. Right. It just doesn't. Did you want them to keep asking? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but some and yeah, I think I did, but it was kind of it wasn't what it was and by the end of high school I was like, all right, I really need to get away from you guys. And and I remember Emily saying early on early on after Jack's diagnosis that, you know, um your parents kind of set this tone, I don't know if this was a family meeting or if it was just a vibe that okay, here's how this is going to go. We're going to live our lives and we're going to take care of Jack, and you know, like, yeah. and uh, but but this isn't going to be, we're not going to live in crisis and fear, oh, yeah. and you know, was that is she pretty accurate there? Yeah, I think so. I think um, things went on as as kind of regular. Like Emily still went to to softball, and I did yeah. as well. That's pretty much all I had after school that year. But I think part, I guess, probably the the part that wasn't as that maybe Em didn't pick up quite as much as me is that like I played a part in that in like the adjustment of plans yeah. because my parents schedule is so weird now and they were sleeping at the hospital alternating nights and I adjusted my I didn't want to be out I wanted to be home in case they needed something or in case they came home and there was a chance to go to the hospital um so part of like making that work I felt and I don't know if it was something they definitely didn't say like you can't Go out, go out. Or, right, right. I didn't want to, though. So you must have been a very um, adult-like, sophisticated 16-year-old to feel like, okay, I, I get it, and there's only so many resources to go around, and I'm one of them, so right. I'm going to be here for this. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, yeah, I think it was a maturity thing, and I've mm -hmm. um, thought a lot about how, how much Jack matured in the couple weeks after he was first diagnosed, and yeah. I think that happened to all of us on some scale. And I definitely, I mean, Emily, Emily too, and I think it was in the form of that protectiveness. And for me, it was in the form of like being available. Right, um, right. Just in case I wanted to, I wanted to be there just in case. I don't know what could have happened or what was gonna happen, but like I wanted to be around was, was there anxiety for you around that? Like the just in case? Like, because just in case suggests there is a, a case, right? That yeah. something could happen. I think 
that at first because I didn't know all of the things that can go wrong yeah. when someone's in cancer treatments. Right. Um, I had no I mean, Jack was in, in the hospital way more than the number of times he had to go in for chemo or radiation. There were bl- blood transfusions and infections and all this stuff, and you don't really realize like blood transfusions are nothing to worry about, but infections right. can be. Yeah, of course. And I didn't really realize that. So I think maybe as time went on, I was like, okay, this is more serious. It kind of like it, it weighs on you a little bit more. At first, it was just kind of like just in case, and I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna be there. And then once you know what the just in cases are, if then then you worry then a little you, bit more, yeah, right? Then yeah, it's a little more stressful. Did, were you able to establish as a family or just for yourself like some new normal or did you feel like no it felt like a crisis all the time it felt like you know we were a family in treatment somehow it was a, there was definitely a new normal um, even when there were crises I yeah think. even when like Jack was in the hospital unexpectedly like there was I think that first year that he was sick he was in the hospital on Christmas Eve um, in the morning for a blood transfusion that wasn't planned. Wow. And then also on New Year's Eve. and Same year? Week apart? Same year. Uh-huh. A week apart. And it was kind of like, okay, this is this is what it is. This is what we do. We're right. obviously, we're not going to not do the transfusion thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, you know, we didn't cancel Christmas and like still had New Year's Eve. Like, Life went on. We still went and did our family thing when he got back from the hospital because we uh-huh. had new blood and he would have energy. Like, um, so it was kind of you just roll with it even when it's stressful and scary. And I think then you get out of it and you're like, whoa. I think it wasn't until only years after, after. Yeah, years after Jack was sick and, and out of it. I look at pictures now of us even when he was like when he did his make-a-wish he was out of treatment and we have a ton of pictures from that trip and we look awful (laughs) i mean the whole family just like everybody we look tired we were underweight like jack is just getting his hair back he's so skinny he's so pale he has braces it's just and our whole family just looks like ripped up a minute ago we were talking about you know jack physically and how before he was diagnosed he was this big robust kid with a big full head of hair and (laughs) um and uh you know to see him so i can picture jack looking thin you know kind kind of shockingly thin and bald and or balding and and um but you're saying you're looking back and all of you looked terrible yeah we don't look good right right and were you aware in real time, like how stressed you were and how? No, and I think back to that trip, and we we're like, we're in the clear. Things right. are so great. We're doing so well. And then I look <laughs> back. I mean, now it's been, I think, probably over five years since that trip. And I look back and I'm like, wow, we look really awful. So, what do we make of that? Is that just like, we must have been really resilient to go on that trip and, and, uh, act as if uh, you know things are good, or you know, or do you feel like oh, we were a mess and we didn't even know it? You know, like, how, do you, how were, do you reflect I think, back? I think we were good relative to how it was before. The mm-hmm. fact that we even went on the trip felt like a miracle yeah. in, in itself, just because so many things went wrong. Right. Uh, there was a huge snowstorm. Our first flight got canceled. We we went to New York 
um, uh-huh. for his Make-A-Wish. And what was Jack's Make-A-Wish? We met the cast of 30 Rock. That's what I thought. Yeah, which is funny to me, amazing to me, because it's one of my favorite shows. Uh-huh. Still is. Yeah. And he was 12, though, and I'm not sure he should have been watching it. <laughs> And I'm not sure he got it completely, but right. he knew it was funny. Yeah. And my parents were like, yeah, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he screw was 12? Disney World. He was 12 and watching 30 Rock. And I watch it now and I'm like. When you think it's so great. sophisticated, and the, the humor, right? And yes. it's so like, it feels like one in joke after another oh, after yeah. another. And, you, and Jack is one of the few guys who at 12, I think, eh, maybe he got some. He, I, bet, got I bet there's some of the stuff he got, right? He I did. Mean, yeah. And it was. He loved it too, and just thinking back, I was like, I loved it, but I was, you I was older, older, and uh, watching it now, I love it even more. And I'm thinking, I know f- some of my friends just don't get it. Right, like, right. How did this twelve-year-old pick up on this show when some people are still, it's like over their heads. You know, some people um, that I've worked with, if they lose somebody, if there's a song or a show or something that reminds them of them, they'll avoid that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I can't, I can't even, you know, like I can't look at Thirty Rock because right. it's too Jack for me. You know, like, for you, is it kind of, is there comfort in it? A lot of comfort in it, and I'm not sure why. And I've thought about that before because there are songs for sure. There's music for me that like I w- will listen to, but mm-hmm. only when I'm kind of in in the mood to be sad about it. Yeah. Can I ask? And, can I ask if there's one? If there's a uh, there's a couple. They're mostly Beatles songs. Oh yeah. Um, and his favorite Beatles song is also mine, which is in my life. Oh. Yeah, which is a that's just not fair. Tearjerker. <laughs> without that, and I remember coming to that conclusion once. I was I was probably a freshman or sophomore in college, and I remember just listen having kind of a Beatles kick and uh-huh. going home and being like Jack I've decided what my favorite song is um because it was a big deal and he was <laughs> like oh good but I was just thinking about that and we're like we both told each other and it was the same song and I was like that's so weird that's amazing and it became I think more important to him as he got older and when he got sick the second time it was a big one of those songs that really I think resonated with him yeah um, so that that's one, and there's a couple others that, when I listen to it, it's like, okay, this is you know, it's good for like a good cry. And, yep, yep. And do you only, need that even now, once yeah, in a while? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't shy away from it, but there's kind of a time and place. Mm-hmm. But Thirty Rock is is different. I could watch Thirty Rock every day. And, and I, is that I just a good it. laugh? Is it's, that just yeah? It's a good laugh, and I like just the other uh, yesterday. I think I was watching. Uh, I watched three or four of the 30 Rock Christmas episodes and just because that's what me and Jack used to do around this time so and one of them we had the script too and there was a couple parts in it so when we went to 30 Rock they gave us a script with signed by everyone how cool it's so cool and there's a so we have that script and it's for one of the Christmas episodes and there's a line in it and it's Tracy Morgan saying something outrageous and we can't understand it right. (laughs) Shocking (laughs) that that happened. Um, And we can't figure, we could never figure out what it said and Jack thought he was saying something and I thought he was saying something else and we would just re-watch the the (laughs) clip over and over and over to try to figure it out. And I was watching this episode with my boyfriend and just talking along to it 
and he's like, you've seen this too many times. Oh my God. So you know it. it you, I know it. It's I memorized. Know it. Yeah. More oh. than I probably should, should be proud of. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not embarrassed by it. Right. And that whole show, I think I, um, will be in a, any random conversation and so someone will say something and we'll be like, oh, like that 30 Rock episode when <laughs> this small, minute moment happens and someone says something similar to what you just said. And that is that all Jack for you? Or is that partly you? Is it partly it's like, part, that's my, like, that's my like sense a, of humor it's too. It's both of us. We both really yeah. liked that show and yeah. it's totally our sense of humor. Yeah. So I think it was a something we bonded over. It wasn't uh-huh. just his thing. That's cool. I mean, I, I love that. I love that there's a thing that you that's kind of living and breathing that you can go to, yeah. and it's like, um, and and I like that you know you have your in my life, which yeah, that seems like designed to draw the emotion right. that it, right is <laughs> <laughs> a good cry, but I love you know when I think about your brother, I think he's a good laugh too, and you know mm-hmm. like and if you don't balance if that's not balanced out, that's a great disservice right You're, to him. Yeah, and I think yeah. I mean. I, couple minutes ago right before we started you spoke to like how his wake was yeah and I think that was a lot oh yeah would you mind talking a little bit about what Jack's so Jack's wake this is this is his wake one it was crowded it was busy um and we had these photo boards set up uh kind of around the room with pictures just all these pictures that me and my friends had put together Um, oh you and your friends did that yeah I mean I did a couple of them and I recruited some people to help me just stick I picked out the pictures and then we stuck them all over these big poster boards yeah and a neighbor had printed out Jack started a blog a couple months before he passed away it was amazing by the way it was do you, do you remember like the, uh, it, it was on I remember he had uh, his Twitter uh, linked to the blog yes. if people wanted to read that because it's still out there yeah yeah okay. his blog if you search I could be the walrus. Oh, right. I, WordPress um, is the website he did it through. If you just Google that, it comes up. I recommend. Big, it's good. Let's get Jack's it, blog to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he and he only had a couple entries. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all gems, though. They were all really good. And the, and the last one was unbelievable, right? The, the last one was one that I wrote. Um, I wrote his final you did. blog post. It was yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And that's something I that I got a lot of like, how did you do that? It was the day that he passed away that I kind of had this flood of of thoughts and, and he had just just published something on his blog post. And I think it was his mortality morality mm-hmm. post, which mm-hmm. was strange and, and ironic and the timing was Odd. Yeah. I, I look back at it. And I'm I, sure. It was like three days before he passed away, which is a little bit. It's almost it's, eerie. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. eerie, and uh-huh. I, I don't know if he knew, and I, part of me thinks he knew, but he he knew it was coming eventually, and I right. don't think it was that soon. But part of me thinks like that was his. He wanted to get that one out there. Yeah, just in case. Like I wanted this out yeah. before. Yeah. And I so I had all these these thoughts about it and what if he couldn't publish anymore and when he passed away I was I had just like this flood of like and I should say this about him and I want to say this and like I knew I wanted to use his blog as a forum for it and that day I kind of just like 
typed it out and I let it sit overnight and I had my mom and my sister read it to like tell me if I was just like rambling. <laughs> is this crazy right, or like, should I, is right, this something like I should post? Rambling or something like some kind of just like word vomit. Right. Or if it right. was actual, like a good tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stand by it as a, as a good tribute. Um, but I'm still not sure how I did, how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Why it seems like something's like just so difficult emotion to conjure. Now that I think oh, back right. on it, you know, right away, it just seems so, you must have felt so raw. I think that might have vulnerable. been it. And I think it wasn't clouded by, I think, all the events that, that happened either. So, like, my memories of, of Jack passing away, a lot of it is the wake and the, the memorial and getting ready for those and having family around and so many friends and mm-hmm. a lot of good memories um, that don't necessarily have to do with him. Yeah. As a, like, who he was. Right, and he's right. Not, involved in them it was about him but he wasn't there mm-hmm. so i think this the blog post was like a direct reflection of of all the thoughts i had about him right then really fresh in my mind right without right. kind of this clouding of like making arrangements and, oh. and seeing people and and doing all the other stuff so you, are, you, are you really grateful that you got that out there and you know before yeah. there was all the mayhem and the chaos yeah. of yeah, the I don't ritual. think I could do it now. Interesting. And I think I've I've thought about posting things. I've thought about writing things. I'm not much of a writer. Mm-hmm. I kind of like my journaling journaling uh-huh. throughout the years. For you, when, huh? When inspiration strikes, I I can. Right. But I wasn't in any means like Jack, where he could just write. Yeah. Um. He always had something, and I've gone through his computer a couple times, and he has things that he's written that he didn't he didn't publish um and, and was he was it was it, it good it's work it's yeah good. the stuff that he didn't publish is hard to read though because it was can, you can tell he he was writing as an outlet and he was frustrated and he was mad and he was scared oh what was that like for you to read it, it was hard yeah kind of devastating mm-hmm. at the moment and i admittedly read it way too soon oh, like within a right. couple days i it's like okay, I'll like see if he has pictures on his computer. Found a you know file of his you know, little folder of his. I writings, can see it was irresistible. Like, it was, it was right there, yeah, and, right, right, right. I started reading and I was like, wow, that was too much. Like, um, and you didn't know. You did, is there stuff in there you didn't know he felt or some of the fears? Yeah, and, yeah. and things I would have expected him to feel, mm-hmm. um, but some things about him, like knowing he was dying and, and yeah. talking about that, and that's hard to read right and it it was a lot i mean you could tell it was cathartic Mm -hmm. it was a lot of like like him just saying like this cancer sucks it screwed up my whole life like this is like this was supposed to be my year and it was yeah um up until you know right before graduation yeah yeah jack had this amazing year and you you know we emily and i talked about how he was like this uh kind of king of his class yeah. <laughs> as he graduated from high school and right. it really did look like he was in the clear for yeah and it was a in a totally there. unexpected way yeah too and i think I, it was so cool to see because he struggled so much when yeah. he was in junior high and emily spoke to that a lot about how he was frail and he was like the weird bald kid and people right. didn't really know why and he couldn't go full days. He didn't really have any friends. I mean, he had friends from uh, from elementary school, but right. they weren't close. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or nearly as close as they were, and he didn't have the energy to to be a seventh grade boy. Right. Um, and when he got to high school, he, he kind of started over, and I think by the end of senior year, he'd found his group and he'd found what he was good at and he'd had truly a man about town like a character right that people like really knew and referenced right and I that's part that I wish I was around more for and I was in school when he was and I was at college when he was in high school Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't home very much during my senior year because I was a senior and you're not really supposed to be no what was it like to be away it was at the. I was a little jealous. I had uh, kind of some jealousy for like what him and Emily had. Um, wow. Because and me and Jack were close and close in a way that's different than the way that me and Em are close. I think because we're me and Jack are so similar. Yep. And very similar personalities and similar interests. And um, for being far away, I talked to him a lot, but it was a lot of like, how's school? I'm like. Fine. I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, it's different when you're not right next to somebody. It's I would really imagine, different. right? You, you don't see the day to day. Right. You know, he didn't. He wasn't going to tell me about like this dumb thing that happened at school. You know, you don't see the day to day stuff. And he got really involved in Kairos, which I think was a huge thing for him, huh. and something that I did not understand. Uh, really, that Emily did. Like, yeah, like Emily did, and Kairos was different and. Do you mind describing, like, I think some people might not know what even Kairos is. Um, So it's a religious retreat um, that high schoolers do, and I have a lot of friends that went to Catholic high schools um, because I went to a Jesuit Catholic university. Right. So I have a better understanding of it now than I did when I was in high school because we went to public school, and it was kind of a, a separate thing. One of the churches organizes this retreat, and for the most part, and... I didn't go on it, so I can't really speak to exactly what goes on, but I think it's a lot about, like, finding God in in what's in the people around you and and the things that are going on around you. And sharing stories, I think, right? Stories, a lot of self-disclosure. Yes. um, A lot of crying, from what I understand. But you form really strong bonds with the people you go on this retreat with um, and kind of get this understanding that, like, everyone has their stuff everyone has their baggage and that like, feels exactly that that is a perfect description of what i've heard Kairos yeah is like. yes. and so i think that for him was powerful huh super powerful and he had this group of friends that wasn't judgmental and could listen to him kind of just like spit this out and they weren't pitying him and feeling sorry for him they were like that like like I get that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. They relate to it or they don't relate to it. They but they're there to listen to it. And I can see where you're so glad he had that experience, and yet Emily got to be se- many steps him. closer, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Emily was on the retreat with him, and they right. had this thing, and then they had common friends, and it was this part of he really kind of came into his own. I feel like confidence-wise, mm-hmm. I think personality he had always. Kind of had like that's but that had been set for a while in his yeah. interest, but I think he was trying to to be cooler and 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 bigger and and more confident, and not really knowing how and uh-huh. not knowing like wh- how to get there and who he should be closest with, and I think he was finally comfortable, like really comfortable with who he was and yeah. 
he had a lot of struggles, I think, being he was small. He was small because of his cancer. Right. It stunted his growth, and he wouldn't get much taller. He wouldn't get much heavier. And when, like, you, all of your friends are, you know, shooting up to right. six feet tall. And, mm-hmm. like, I look at pictures of him at graduation next to Andrew um, and George, and they're, like, <laughs> like twice his size. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think something about Kairos made it okay and he what didn't feel as bad about it and he could be the small kid because look at all the uh, these other things he had going for yep. him and he has this group of friends that that just want to hang out with him because he because of who he is yeah just just, just because he's Jack and not despite all the stuff he's gone through like because of it right um, and I think that was super powerful for him and for you your experience of that time um, just hearing about that like over the phone or, you know, kind of vicariously, was that was that really difficult? I mean, you know, just knowing how hard the time had been for him in the past? It was good. I, I mean, I was proud and I was, I was kind of like, finally. Like, yeah. Like, thank God. Like, he had good friends and he was in theater and, and improv and stuff, but to, like, hear that he was, like, he was, like, getting up and doing speeches and, like, going to parties and, and like, going out and doing things with people and I was like, Finally, a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. And I would come home from breaks, and he'd be like sleeping till noon. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) So it was more than just like this momentary win. He was, he he was a kid with a life, and it was normal for a while, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think I wish it could have lasted longer. And Mm -hmm. I think he obviously still had his struggles. I think he struggled in school. He was super bright, but I think. Uh, his cancer also impacted his his concentration and his ability for time management and of stuff course. like that. And just because of the nature of like where it was and, and the treatment had a long lasting effect on him. And I think part of having like a normal social life and feeling like a normal teenager and kind of having that confidence didn't make that stuff so devastating. That's a good point. That, I, right, it certainly balanced it out. Right, like when your social life is not great. Right, right. And school, you feel like school is harder for you and like social stuff is harder for you and you don't have a girlfriend and your friends are getting girlfriends and all this stuff, it kind of piles up and it makes everything worse. As, as an older sister, it must have felt unfair like I were you were you angry on his behalf in some way like yeah. come on you kids you know get, get into it like the Jack's awesome and you should know yeah. that yeah per, yeah partly and I think especially in terms of uh, the girls that he was interested in and I didn't hear as much about this as probably M did and I don't know how much she spoke to it I can't remember a little bit a little yeah. bit um, yeah he was really sweet but he wasn't very confident he was kind of small and um you know, I don't expect, you know, don't expect 15, 16, 17 year old girls to appreciate yeah. the nice guy as as much. And right. I think he really resented that. And he had a couple uh, really sweet things he did to like ask girls to dances. And it kind of, you know, just flopped. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, right. There was it like, almost seems like the cruelest time in life to be. A very small guy, you know, like, and right. and, uh, and people make these kind of um, quick assumptions, like, you right. know, yeah, and um, I think they were kind of like, "You're a friend," yeah, and he was like, "Okay, but like, that's great, 
But, but like anybody else, like Jack you, wanted right? a relationship, right? Yeah. He wanted to make out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was still a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. So, and I think that that is what made me angry, is yeah. that, like, as, like, I think his friends, his guy friends, got how, how awesome he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girlfriends did in a, in a friendship way, which is valuable and great. Right. And I don't think like, I'm definitely not saying like, you should be interested in every nice boy that, that talks to you. Right. But right. Like, like that's not the But message. you feel like somebody missed the boat with Jack, oh, huh? someone, Yeah. There's yeah. several, I think did. And he did, um, I think his junior or senior year asked to grow out over the radio, over XRT. Oh, over XRT. Yeah. This is a significant radio. Right. This is a it's this like is a, a ballsy move. Chicago's <laughs> finest rock. Exactly. Um, and he knew it. He had kind of a connection to uh, what's his name, Lynn Bramer. Oh yeah, right. Uh, at XRT. Uh huh. And asked to grow out through that. Wow. And I was like, I was blown away. I was, so all I these was, proposal things pale in comparison right, to this gesture, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that one fell through, and I think you know there were a lot of factors that went into that, and I certainly didn't wasn't like angry at the girl or anything. Right. Again, like you don't have to like, right? Like him, but there was kind of this like, oh. Well, I can just feel that you really? wanted that for him, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. You wanted him to well, feel that love. He told me about it, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's so big like, and so bold. And yeah, what, it's, yeah, it's bold. It's huge, and I think it was kind of this height. Like he was getting confident. Yeah. He wouldn't have done that. Like a year beforehand? No, I spoke over you and you said, who are you, right? Yeah, <laughs> so like, you were surprised that he right. was willing to do this, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know anyone that would do that for me. Like, I don't... Right, right. I don't know many guys who would do... I work. I know a lot of guys around that age. I don't know anybody else who would make that move. I don't know it's guys really, around my age that would right. do that. Like, that's a big, a big thing. And I think that was when I was like, yeah, this, that's a huge blow yeah. for him and it you know it's a dance it's one it's a homecoming or whatever it was like it's not a big deal but it the those things add up and i was like everything was going for you and you like that's a like you deserved that huh? right yeah i was like you really you really deserve that and yeah. like it's her loss yeah um and he was like yeah I, but i still don't have a date to to homecoming right. you know right right like, right okay great but you know, just uh, like I don't want you to take this to heart because you did everything right. Like, and you're an awesome guy, and you right? deserve it's not anything. It's, there's nothing wrong with you. Like it was just one of these. Like, I think you want to the big sister thing kicks in. Oh man, that's like, not just big sister. You sound. Right. I've had this conversation with moms. You know what yeah. I mean? Like seriously, many times where it's like, um, you know, I can't really blame the girl, but still. You know, yeah. like my kid is awesome and she didn't get that and he's hurt and his self-worth is affected and I can't stand it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was gone for that. I can't imagine being home. I just remember talking to him on the phone and being like. Right. And if anybody doesn't deserve any more heartbreak or fear. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right. Like right. I wish I could have just had that one. So that one win. But. You know, I, I asked, I, I asked Emily when she was here, did she ever feel resentful did she ever feel like you know um first jack is sick for a couple of years then he's well and kind of this there's this kind of surge of support for him mm -hmm. and he's popular and he and, and um he's mr lt and then and then he's sick again 
And so there's all these years in the family that are about Jack. Did you ever feel resentful? Did you ever feel like, hey, it's Emily Day. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's Lee's birthday today. Anybody yeah. noticing? Did you ever feel that? Not really. I think that I, I mentioned that a couple months after Jack got sick, I uh, was diagnosed with Crohn's. And that shifted some attention to me. Yeah. And that felt weird and I didn't like it. So I think there was never this resentment because when I had the attention, I didn't want it. And it was important that I had it. Um, you didn't think, like that the attention was shifted to you, that there was some attention on you. No. And I think I think because it was in a um, kind of, I mean, it was a whole, it was a negative experience. So maybe if it had been like I had accomplished something great. And then the attention shifted to me, I'd feel differently. But it right. was it was something that it was kind of a long, arduous process of figuring out what was going on with my body and uh-huh. feeling sick and then having two kids that feel awful right. in the house at the same time going through stuff like that. I felt like we don't need that. Like my parents don't need that right now. I don't need that. Jack doesn't need that. Um, I, I can I certainly understand where it's inconvenient. It, it's it's such an odd position to be in, right? So your brother has cancer, and you have Crohn's, which in any other household that's Huge. super serious, yeah. right? This is like the 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 sole focus, and I would assume it has to be almost secondary, not incidental, maybe, but you know, yeah. um, what was what was it like to have that diagnosis and to feel like you know, mom, I got to get some treatment too. I'm not feeling well, you know, like yeah. um, even though you know your brother's got something that's you know, more serious, life-threatening. Um, it, 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 that's such an odd, um, unusual dynamic. Yeah, and I think it I think it annoyed me because I wanted to be self-sufficient. I right. wanted them not to worry about me. Yeah. And I think, like, if you look at my grades the last two and a half years of high school, like, yeah. immaculate. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, because I didn't want it to, I didn't, want to be the person that fell behind because they had stuff going on at home. I didn't want my parents to have another thing to worry about. Um, and I think once I got a taste of, I kind of like started trying a little bit more and I was like, Oh, like it's kind of like nice to, to like do well. To do well. So it fed fed on itself. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, and it carried over, you know, after long after we were kind of through the woods on this. Yeah. What, what were you like before then? Like, A's and B's, uh-huh. and, but I didn't didn't stress very much about it. Um, and but but once Jack was diagnosed, was it, was it kind of, of like? It was, mm. And I was spending a lot more time at home, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of like, well, what else am I going to do besides get my stuff done? Right. I'm just going to do what I have to do. Yeah. Um, and I think having the dynamic of like being sick as well, it was an yeah, it was annoying because I I couldn't do anything about it, and I needed my mom to take me to doctor's appointments and right. try to figure this out with me. Yep. One, because I couldn't drive myself. And two, like, I didn't know how to like interface with doctors. Right, like, right. I didn't right, know what of I was doing. Um, you and I were talking before we started taping here about how, um, I, I think we share this, but you tell me if I'm wrong, um, how uh, stress can exacerbate um, or even drive a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so we you didn't seem particularly surprised that Crohn's overtook you um, yeah. in the wake of 
Jack getting sick, yeah? Right, and I think in the, in the moment it was bad timing, it was shocking, I didn't, I was, you know, again, annoyed by it, and right. then looking back, it's like, well, of course that happened. I yeah. was stressed out, and I didn't, I wasn't aware of it either. I felt overwhelmed and sad for, for my brother, and I felt bad of what he was going through, and I was focused on him. I was right. focused on trying to make him feel better. Right. Even the littlest bit every single day. Yeah. Just trying to get him to smile or feel better or enjoy something. And I remember, like, taking him out to dinner or, like, watching movies with him. And um, this was also reflected in that journal I recently found. It was kind of like I feel like I'm doing nothing, but he's in the middle of this treatment, and I can't make it better. Wow. I want to make it better. And you don't seem like a person who is content with powerlessness. <laughs> I think I might be understating yeah, yeah. that. You seem like, like you like control over what's happening. Yeah, and I think um, I wouldn't go so far to say that I'm a control freak. I have a, an understanding of what I can control. Right. I don't like when my efforts are not fruitful, Right. I guess. And when I know I can have an impact on something, and I try really hard and it doesn't, my efforts aren't reflected in, in I guess, the result. Yeah, yeah. Is I, when I get frustrated. I can tell. I can yeah. tell. Just, not, just your, your XRT story, Jack asking out the girl. Like, right. I mean, you know, here's a result you can't control. And right. man, if you could, right? You absolutely right. would. That's probably where the grades kicked in because I knew I could. I mean, in high school, if you do all the homework and you study exactly what they tell you, you're going to get an A. Yeah. And that was perfect. I loved that. You like that setup, right? Yeah, that control yeah, of I that. I knew what I had to do, and to you know, and I knew what the result was going to be. And I wish every sixteen-year-old I was working with at least got that <laughs> out of this. <laughs> listen, if you listen to the last fifteen seconds of the right. podcast, or nothing else. <laughs> Your um, homework. So there, there's there's two other things I'm curious, really curious about. So we talked about Jack's wake. So mm -hmm. Jack passed away. Um, right. There's one element of the wake I want to ask you about, like yeah. you know. Um, so wakes tend to be horrible, right? Mm -hmm. there, there was a line that was a thousand miles long because yeah. Jack was so well-known and your family was so well-known. Um, and there were two rooms, yeah. right? So there was the room where your parents were in the receiving line. Yeah. Um, do you mind telling just what the other room was? The other room was Jack's blog posts uh, printed out on huge poster boards on easels and a TV playing a video of kind of the, the best of Jack. Best of Jack on stage, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and some home videos as right, well. Right, 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 that's right. Um, your son is in one of them, <laughs> yes. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> George makes a cameo. Yeah, and it was a compilation that my mom put together mostly. She went through kind of everything that Jack had been in that we had gotten DVDs of. So there's a couple home videos. There is the elementary school variety show. Yep. Um, there is his Mr. LT performance, his stand-up, as well as kind of the question uh, portion, uh -huh. whenever that was. Right. Um, and then some of his plays, uh, plays that he was in, some plays that he wrote, and his improv, a couple of improv shows, a couple improv sketches. So, so um, the vibe, you know, having spent some time there was, um, 
appropriately, I think, serene and, uh, and, and sad and thoughtful mm-hmm. um, and oddly joyful. And, you know, like I laughed hard in that other room yeah. at a couple of things I didn't anticipate, you know, like I'd, I'd, uh, I'd not seen Jack on stage like that. And it was so funny. Um, and it felt like, um, this isn't what we do in, at American right. Wake. So, you know, no, like, this is inappropriate, I think, you know? And, yeah. and so there was part of me that was chastising myself as I went. And I was just hoping like the <laughs> laughter of the other 18 year olds in the room was kind of, you know, drowning me out. Yeah. Was it, was that good for you? Yes. Yeah. I think that set the tone for this like entire grief process for me. I think immediately as with the blog post that I wrote, the wake and the memorial was very similar to the wake. Mm-hmm. A lot, I mean, a lot more sad, but we filled up. We couldn't do it in the church we attended. Right. And that we attend, we had go to the Catholic church down the street because <laughs> there are so many people. Yeah. Um, and only so many Cubs caps to go around, if I remember <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, all filled with people wearing Cubs caps. My yes. boyfriend's family is from St. Louis, and they came into town for it, and they wore Cubs caps just for that. God love them. That uh, must yeah. have been a tough one to swallow for them. <laughs> they were really, really good sports about it. Um, Better that year than this one, I suppose, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm... Uh, getting ready to do some gloating over the next I don't blame you a bit. Um, But yeah, I think that that week I have really strangely fond memories of because one, so many people showed up. I Mm -hmm. saw people I didn't expect to. And I cried a fair bit. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it, I was standing around looking at pictures with with friends and old friends that, that came by and family members and neighbors and seeing people that I probably would not have seen otherwise. Right. People I used to babysit, people I used to see at block parties, um, Jack's friends, yeah. I, you know, in kind of the back room where we kept all our food and had a room to like take a step back and, and decompress. It was filled with, with LT kids. Right, just right. Just hanging out. <laughs> um, and you kind of get this, it wasn't like our family was on display or like people were coming to console us. It felt more communal. Man, did it ever. That is yeah. well put. It really did. Yeah. And same with the memorial. Felt very communal. I think it felt like it was a community loss. It wasn't just a loss for us. Yeah. It also felt... Um, that second room, so so one room felt like grieving Jack's death, and the other room felt like a celebration of his life. And I I thought that the balance of that was just beautiful in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I think that's what my parents wanted wanted it to be. I think they wanted to say like, hey, this is like let's remember him for for who he was. Right. Right. In a lot of ways, and I think it may have even kind of swung a little too far. There's been some times when I think it swings a little too far the other way, like in, in the way of remembering him. Uh, not overly sad, fondly? Right? Overly fondly. <laughs> um, which sounds awful. Was Jack a pain in the ass he, sometimes? Sometimes was. <laughs> and, um, some things, and I, I've talked to Emma about this too, There's, and I think it's not super... Uh, now, but maybe right afterwards, it was kind of like this kid was 
a saint. He was a, a really an amazing kid, and uh-huh. I'm not gonna to discredit that. But right. he was also a, an 18 year old boy. Yeah, he was, a, and a little brother. He's a little brother. Yeah, he was a pain in the ass. Sometimes. Yeah, he must have been. And I think sometimes it's like he was great. He was nice to everyone he knew. And if you ask his closest friends, you're like, they're like, he was kind of an asshole sometimes. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, if he was in a bad mood, you knew it. Right, and, sure. And, like, that's because he was human. And yeah, he, and he was, and he had a potent personality. Yeah. He was a big, yeah. Right, yeah. and so I, I and love he was the, human, that's the true. fondness of, of remembering him, but parts of it, I, especially when I um, talk to Emily about it, some of it's like, do you remember when he, like, did this shitty thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think some things, like, when he, he gets quoted quite a bit, um, from his blog posts and, and other things he's written. Um, he wrote when he was first diagnosed, I guess, diagnosed the second time. Right. He wrote a letter to the editor of the school paper um, kind of as a, this is what's going on for me and I have a message for all the rest of you high schoolers. Uh, like, these are the things that matter. Oof. Um, like pay attention, be nice to other people, uh, like just like make good choices, um, because like the like little stuff that you're obsessing over doesn't matter. So don't don't play to the adolescent stereotypes. Like right. be, you, you can you, like, you can be better yeah, than this that. Is you can like, be kinder than that. This is what I want to share with you because like some like this is what I'm going through and like. Like, this is my wisdom that I have to share. And at the end, he wrote Stay Golden, which was su- supposed to be a outsider's quote, quoting okay. the, the book The Outsiders. Oh, from the literally The Outsiders. Okay, yeah. right, right. Except the quote is Stay Gold. Whoops. But he, <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and he's quote, I mean, like, people say it a lot. People, you know, uh, any cards we've gotten or anything people have written about him it's like stay golden um and it's a misquote and there's another one that's uh something he wrote i think in his life is uh blog post Uh titled life is yeah yeah um and one line is life is a precious gift and i'm listening to the lonely island one day which is a spoof uh, rap group. Yeah, it's Andy Samberg's Andy like ridiculous, uh, yeah. excellent, ridiculous. Um, it's right? great. And one of the songs uh, is entitled YOLO and it's making fun of it, that phrase. Right. Um, saying that you only live once so you shouldn't do anything dangerous. Right. <laughs> so kind of the opposite message of, of what right. was kind of um, popular at the right. time. Pretty good And one of the bit. lines is life is a precious gift and I'm thinking like Jack heard that, forgot that he heard it, and wrote it in his blog. Right. So Jack, he stole it. Yeah. Right. So Jack was fallible. I, was, is that the broad he, point yeah, here? Yeah, that's the point is that yeah. I, I find these little things and to me, like as kind of wise beyond his years as he was and incredibly funny and talented and kind and a great friend, um, he was still Jack. He was and still, person and human. Right. And I yeah. still have these like memories of him just being awful and you know being the worst and and complaining and and those i think almost make the really kind of like up on a pedestal memories even better you know lee i i that's a really great point you know so i 
I think sometimes about like people who die too young tragically, um, and we um, sometimes we overly define them by those last moments. You know, mm -hmm. like Jack was the kid who had cancer. You know, um, but I think just as dishonoring might be to just say, oh, they were amazing and he was such a perfect, you know, and, right. and, and that lacks just as much dimension now that right. you mention it. Mm -hmm. uh, d uh, and I think you have to be able to say, he's kind of a jerk sometimes too, though, yeah. right? I mean, like, right. Let's, let's be honest, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and I think that... Like almost, it, like, a per like a person. Right, yeah. Yeah, like he was a person and you, yes. it helps to remember him like that. And I think that's something my family's really good at doing because we have a sense of humor about, I think from him being sick the first time, we developed this kind of sense of humor about the hard things. Uh -huh. So we're still able to make jokes at Jack's expense. How was your family, here. how was your family able to maintain humor? You know what I mean? Through yeah. all of this, you know, like I always, people often ask me like, you know, boy, if you lose your child, you just can't go on. If you lose your brother, your sister at okay. a young age, you know, what do you do? You know, you, you, just lay down you're just done yeah. you know and you guys all go on yeah and we have, we have moments of being mm -hmm. kind of done for the count there's you know moments in the past couple of years that I've remembered the first Christmas without him was hard right but it's a lot of I think it's just our style it's kind of how we've always been I think like teasing has been a big part of uh, our family's culture for as long as I can remember, even before Jack was sick. So this kind of like, it's funny until it's like really not funny. Until it's hurtful. Until it's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> until someone's crying. And right, it's funny. right. Um, and I think that's kind of the immediate reaction is like you make a joke or you look for kind of the lighter part in it. And then right. Jack, especially. Um, he really kept that going from when he was sick. I mean, 30 Rock was, I think part of why 30 Rock is my favorite show, means so much to me, is because it was meant so much to him. Is yeah. because he found this show and he was able to laugh at something and laugh hard, like find something really, really funny and get so completely involved in it that he kind of, you forget about the other stuff you're going through. That like even, it, today sucked and he had chemo and he you know threw up all day like at the end of the day he can sit down in his bed and watch 30 rock well i can see where you're so grateful that he had that right yeah. to something to just take his mind off of everything and just right. disappear into that little world and yeah, yeah. and so humor became that mm -hmm. it's kind of that's what you go to and you know there's something funny in every situation i think yeah. was his philosophy and that definitely probably came from our, our family Right. Initially, and mm -hmm. then he really, really embodied that. Yeah. And we all fed off of it. So, so, um, and, and I think that that is a, such a catharsis, right? To, to find humor in any situation mm -hmm. because it, not that that should be the sole part of it, but you know, like right. that, if that's not a component, then, then, you know, things just are so grim and, mm -hmm. and it's too, too heavy, right? For us to bear sometimes. Yeah. So it's been more than two years since. Yeah. So that that Christmas was two Christmases ago, it right? Was. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the process been like for you and your family in the last couple of years? It's been such an interesting question because I feel like I 
have a way different understanding of grief now that I've I'm in it. I'm still in it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, my, I guess the biggest loss I'd, I'd had before Jack was my grandpa, who passed away my freshman year of college. So Such a different type of loss, it's though, right? It's very different. Yeah. Um, even though this grandpa was very healthy until probably the mm. last six months of his life, it seemed very sudden. Yeah. And kind of the last person, You'd kind of expect. the person you're like, no, they're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had a, but that had a positive, it was really sad. And I, but I think there was a lot of positives that time of around when my grandpa passed away, it was the beginning of January. And so it was a lot of family time. Like we had Christmas with my family. And then afterwards it was kind of this, like we were all together getting ready for his, getting the arrangements made for his funeral. And I had this kind of positive, it was again, like finding this positive in a really dark situation. Mm with that experience and so it's kind of been similar with yeah. Jack it's immediately after there was this like I'm, I'm glad this happened now because it was going to happen mm-hmm. um, he was going to die but I'm glad he didn't have to suffer there was kind of this like we don't know when it's going to happen but he has to get kind of over the hump of this round of really like side effects from this horrible round of chemo. Right. And after he gets over that hump, if he does, then we figure out how to go from there. There was talk of putting a hospital bed in, in the living room, a lot of stuff that was like, what ifs? Yeah. And then you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it, that really scared me. Yeah. And so I think immediately I was like, I would have never been ready for this. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it happened now. That's so interesting. It, to hear you say it's going to happen, he's going to die. That choked me up. Like I, right. I it, it, just, just those words, you know. Um, and I, I can almost not stand that you had to feel that. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if Jack felt that, but you know, I, I, it sounds yeah. like maybe he did from what he wrote. Yeah. But that you, so you know, um, had to know that. You know, for for a period of time. You know, sometimes I think like if somebody dies suddenly it's like almost easier because you don't have to prepare for it it's like okay i'll just be shocked now (laughs) you know and i think Um, the unknowns were harder again yeah you know that probably speaks to my personality more than (laughs) i care to (laughs) to acknowledge but i think it it was the not knowing and knowing that like if he's in a hospital bed in the in the living room what does that mean like could it happen any day what like like, what if I come home from work and it's, you know, it's, right. it was a lot of, when it did happen, he was in the hospital. I knew it was going to be rough. It was kind of this, and I didn't know it very long. I didn't have to acknowledge this, like, he's going to die. It was just this, like, the treatment we'd been planning on didn't work. Right. So generally I knew, like, this is going to happen. And mm-hmm. then after it did, it was like, I was probably not acknowledging how much I like I was probably a little more aware of that it was going to happen yeah, than yeah. I was willing to consciously think about at the time. This is this is an unfair analogy, but I'll throw it out because it's on my mind. I did I did a podcast a couple weeks ago. I lost a brother to suicide mm-hmm. um, about 15 years ago, and um, he had attempted the same way a dozen years before, and so I okay. kind of like held this fear perpetually that it was going to happen. I remember the day it did, my sister calls and she says, you know, Tom took his life. And 
And I remember I was kind of, I wasn't shocked. I was more like, huh, that's something I feared for a long time mm -hmm. and it happened. You know, that's interesting now, what, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How, what was it like for you, like when you find out? I don't like the word relief, but I've used it before. That was and the I'm word like, I was going to use. And it seems like like you're relieved that he's he's dead is, and that's not it at all. It's that like you're relieved that you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's like you don't. Have it's this inevitable. Weight of what's it going to be like, and this kind of like also this fear of like what's it going to be like when he's gone. Like, I, I had a hard time thinking about that, of, like, what is that going to mean? Is it going to change me? Is it going to change right. my family? What if it ruins us? Yeah. And once it happened, then you're in it, and you're like, oh, okay, we're doing it. And mm -hmm. I think that's a sentiment Emily really spoke to in yeah. her podcast, is like, okay, we're in this, we're doing it. Yep, yep. And that's once we were kind of in it, it's like, okay, this is, like, life after Jack. We're in it, we're doing it, we're figuring it out. But that idea, I can see, like just watching you, that idea of is this going to ruin us? What's it going to be like? Like right. it, life after Jack. Um, how long did it take before it felt normal? Does it feel normal now? No. Huh. Um, I think it feels more normal, but different. It feels different. Yeah. Every, I don't know how long, it, how often it changes. Uh huh. But I think it feels like parts of it are normal. I don't. Uh, get kind of hit with those waves of like, like oh my God, he's not here for this mm -hmm. stuff. Like like Christmas is always a little bit because we still do kind of the same thing we've always done. Yeah. So that's a little bit uh, sure hard, and and that is hard I think too because it's not a day that's about him. Right. And like on his birthday or the or the day that he passed away, I can easily say like this is a day about Jack, so I can be sad and, and feel that and think about him a lot. Is that anniversary, September 18th? 18th. Is that, is, that, is that a tough day for you? Yes, getting easier though. Yeah. It, and again, different, I think every, every year, last year, I was, I just moved to Denver for grad school and I didn't really know, I, I had some friends, but we just started school like a week before I was just getting to know people, and I spent the whole day in my apartment by myself. Oh, right. You had just started school. It was yeah. So just September, was, right. Yeah. And we'd, it's, um, we're in the quarter system, so it was after Labor Day that we started. Oh, I right. Think it was a weekend. Literally just started. So I didn't really know anyone. I didn't, no one knew either. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have anyone to, to tell, so I was super alone Isolated. in that day. Oh, my God. And that wasn't great. And then today, or this year, um, I went hiking with some friends and they knew and it was, you know, it was great. It was like a really nice day and then I went home and I like had my moment and Did you and did good. you have a moment? Did you I did. I had yeah. you know, I let myself have that time. I didn't keep myself too busy, but just being able to like be with people and yeah. feel it in a different way. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I like think about I try to describe to, like some people ask like how is it and it's like I can't say better right I don't think it's I don't think it's better doesn't I think seem it's like the right word I different. can tell yeah yeah it's it's just different and it's less raw do you want to hear from people then I mean you know like I'm just thinking like if somebody's listening and they you know they have a friend who lost somebody you know like is it 
is it a good idea to reach out or is it kind of like just let me be leave me yeah, alone no i i think it is but i also think everyone's different yeah um i think that like if you talk to emily i remember talking to em on that day or the day after and um she had kind of some different experiences with friends not asking her how she was doing mm. And she's like, you need to ask me how I'm doing. Like, even if I don't respond, or you think I want to be alone, I need, I need that. I need like yeah. a, I, you know, like I'm already thinking about it. You, yeah, bringing it up so, isn't gonna. Yeah, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna shock me. Really I know what, I know what day it is. Me. Like, right. It's not, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Like, I need you to, I need you to say like I'm thinking about you. And I think that's definitely a sentiment I share. Yeah, she it's, said the same about the tattoo that yeah. I think you share as well, right? Yeah, yeah, um, we have the same tattoo. Yeah, and she um, said, you know, like uh, I have it here for a reason. You can ask me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I have found it difficult uh, being out not in the Grange, and I kind of spoke to this before we, we started recording, yeah. um, being somewhere that no one knows Jack. I mean, I have a, you know family members mm -hmm. out, out in Colorado, a couple. Right. But the people I see day to day, the people I'm in school with, the people I work with, didn't know him, and they don't know him. And there's no really good entry point to say, like, my brother died. Right. There's no good way to do that. And I, I struggled with that because I was really concerned with like making people comfortable and like being like having normal relationships relationships and like, like acceptable social conversations. So how does that ever become something you can talk about? Uh, it ends up being if someone asks me specifically what my tattoo means. Some Got people it. say, what it, what is it? Do you mind telling people what, yeah. just by way of reminder? Right. So it's, uh, Imagine, um, written in John Lennon's handwriting, as it is on his on the album yeah. cover, um, with a blue baseball cap, uh, which is what Jack wore constantly. And Imagine was a song that was really important to him the first time he got sick, um, and I think it kind of became this uh, became a really like just important song for him. Yeah, kind of a soundtrack for him. Yeah, uh, and it, a, you know, he's a big Beatles fan and they were really important to him, so it all kind of, yeah. it seemed natural and I would have, I someone asked like, why John Lennon's handwriting? And I was like, I would have done it in Jack's, but it sucked. So. <laughs> you didn't nobody be I able to read it? it on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, so it ends up being like a, I've had the, first person I told when I was out in Denver asked me specifically what my tattoo meant. Um, and that was right about around the one year anniversary of Jack yeah. passing away. Yeah. And I told him and he's one of my uh, closest friends out there. And that was really great. And I was thinking, okay, like now I can like start to, to tell more people, but the longer you go without it coming up, the harder it is, but you start wow. to tell more stories and people know more about you. Right. And it, it's hard to, Sensor. I mean, I've told a lot of stories where about Jack, and I just say that it was Emily, and it makes her sound a lot funnier than she actually is. But <laughs> yeah, we're giving Emily too much credit now. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's it's hard, and some people catch on. Um, right. I, I have friends that know that I didn't necessarily tell. Yeah. But they've let me know that they know because of Facebook, and uh -huh. it's not hard to figure out. 
but there's no good way, you know, when people say, like, how many siblings do you have? I was going to ask you that. What do, what do you say? I say I have a sister. Um, because, you know, when you're first meeting someone, you don't want to, well, I have a sister, and a, but I used to have a brother, and right, this is right. how he died, and this is what happened. Like, it's too much it's information. Awfully intimate, it, right, it's big information, yeah, and, and they, some people are going to be able to handle it, and, and some people aren't. that's what they're asking. Right. Like, if they're like, what's the you know, worst thing that's ever happened to your family? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's an appropriate response. <laughs> right. But they don't ask that when they first meet you. Right, so you don't, and you don't want to shock or blindside somebody right. who's not prepared yeah, for and it. Yeah, you, and you know, we've all been in a situation where someone you first meet tells you way, way too much about yeah. what's going on with them. Right, right, right. And you don't want to be that person. Yeah. How you doing, Lee? And then right. you start saying, "Well, my brother died a couple of years yeah, ago." If you want to know, if you want to know the truth, right? So that's been interesting. Yeah, a different, a kind of a struggle that I didn't expect. Yeah, to have, um, and I have since shared it with uh, the people in my cohort in my program um, through a class, kind of a act um, seminar, if you will, an act so, uh, workshop. So, so that's um, something that I, uh, I want to you to tell people what you're studying. I refuse to believe before you start that there's any coincidence here that you study what you study and you're telling the story that you're telling. Do you mind sharing what you're, what you're working towards? Yeah, so I'm working towards a doctorate in clinical psychology. That is a, that is a dead end, Lee. I'm telling okay. you right now. <laughs> I'm going to end up with my own podcast. <laughs> No, that's awesome. How did you decide that that, I mean, is there, is this as connected as I would assume it yeah, might be? Yeah, it's extremely connected. And I was drawn to psych from high school, I think just in a, not knowing what it was and then taking the, the course in high school, I was like, wow, this is a thing people can study. Is like I can explain like why my friends do the stuff they do. Um, was kind of the initial like face value yeah. draw of it. And the more I got into it, the more I, and the, the more I saw of Jack and what he was going through and what I went through um, with him and then with my own medical stuff, mm -hmm. I kind of felt this like really strong connection between like mental and physical health. Yeah. Um, do, you have, do you have a specialty in mind? Do you know who you want to work with? And Yeah, it's uh, health psych uh, is kind of my broader range and cancer patients is more narrow and that's something I've again struggled with being in in the program mm -hmm. um there are a couple faculty members that have a huge interest in working with cancer patients and families and caregivers and I have and I started to really have that interest when I was in undergrad but it was before Jack got sick a second time wow and I have this kind of like family my mom had made it through she was a survivor my brother was a survivor and we had this great success story and I felt this really like strong desire to help people through that and like being able to relate to them and being able to say like this, like I got through this and like, right. like you can too almost. And I did that in a lot of ways through volunteering and, and, and that, cancer what, a, what a great narrative, right? This can, right. You, you can win. This can, you can beat this screw and, cancer and right. we're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. And then it changes. Yes. And, Part of me, a big part of me is really drawn to that population still and I have a connection with it that I, I can't ignore. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you can probably speak to that being in the field that when something, when your interests 
align and something clicks, you should pay attention to it. You can almost not deny it, right? right. I mean, um, th there's this part of me, devil's advocate wants to say, why do that to yourself, Lee? Doesn't it, won't you just be reopening the wound of, you mm -hmm. know, like losing Jack, what your mom went through, what your whole family went through? Um, why not, you know, why not work with a, a friend of mine says he works with a worried well? Why not just make a fortune right. working with the worried well, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's a reason, yeah? There's a reason, and I think it, um, it's not for everyone, and I think like when you talk, like when Emily said, she doesn't want to work anywhere near cancer. Right. And it's totally different, and mine is, it's a draw that I can't totally explain, and part of me, though, is nervous, because when you tell people, I want to work with cancer patients. I'm like, oh, why? Like, where'd you get an interest? And you're like, well, you know, like my family, my brother yeah. and my brother passed away. They get this like, this is for you, not for them. Right, right, right. Feel. You yeah. Know, you're doing this to get something, some kind of some like. Some vicarious benefit, right? Yeah, now, or something yeah. It's like therapeutic that. for you to to be able to, to work with them. And right. that's not, shouldn't be entirely the draw. I mean, right, it has right, to be right. beneficial for you to work with a certain population, but it you need to want to help that population. Yeah. It just has to be the main drive. And so you get this kind of like, is that good for you? Should you be doing that kind of feel? And I got really worried about that when mm -hmm. I was applying to programs. When I started this program, I was like, I'll play it by ear. Um, and I've found that I can't, I can't deny it. Yeah, you don't I seem that ambivalent. Ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with the support I have, faculty-wise and, and kind of colleagues and classmates, um, I could do it, I can do it in a way that that is like safe and beneficial for me, but um, it's a weird thing to have to think about yeah. now because it was an interest for so long and having to say like, can I actually can I do this? Right, right, right. Is it in honor of Jack that you do it? Or do you feel like, nope, it's it's my wheelhouse and I just happened to discover it through him? Uh, I think more the latter. Yeah. Um, parts of it are, yeah, I think, I think it's more the latter. I mean, it's, I th think about him, but not in a way that, it's not like every cancer patient I've ever met or seen or worked with reminds me of him it it feels totally separately separate yeah yeah um and i think it's probably because it's professional yeah and it's clinical yeah and it's not it's like i can kind of take that step back yep well um i suspect you're going to be amazing at it i really do i mean <laughs> I um in, in part because you have this experience and i can tell you 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 emit this kind of very calming peaceful, happy demeanor for somebody who's been through so much. Um, I so appreciate you joining me here. Is there Thank is there you. a final thought? Is there anything we missed that you feel like, mm, I want this in here? Uh, not that I can think of, unless okay. you have a final question. I don't I don't have anything. I think we hit most of it. I think you've it. covered it. I think you've covered it beautifully. Um, I, again, thank you. Um, do you. If somebody wanted to read what you wrote, uh, they yeah. go to, do you mind just, yeah. just queuing so them to that be, again? Um, I'm not sure what the exact web address would be, but if you Google, I could be the walrus, no spaces, just I could be the walrus, uh, WordPress. Yeah. Um, you'll come across Jack's blog. 
And the post I wrote is entitled on eternally sporting your blue baseball cap. Beautiful. It really is beautiful. It is worth your time. I encourage you you to stop now and check it out. (laughs) Lee, thanks again for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, And uh, as always, guys, you can find the podcast on uh, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, WGN Plus, and LiveLeadPlay.com. If you have thoughts, questions, comments, uh, or you know somebody who'd like to be a guest on the podcast, let me know. Uh, write me at John G. Duffy at drjohnduffy.com. If you're a parent, um, you will find a free parenting program on my website at drjohnduffy.com. Again, I appreciate you uh, spending some time uh, on the Undo Anxiety podcast on behalf of myself and Lee here. Um, thank you and have a great day. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.